0: Section 4 of History of the Jews in Russia and Poland, Volume 1, From the Beginning Until the Death of Alexander I, 1825, by Shimon Dubnov, translated by Israel Friedlander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by S.S. Kim, Seoul, South Korea. Chapter 2. The Jewish Colonies in Poland and Lithuania part two four polish jewry during the reign of iagelo with the outgoing fourteenth century poland was drawn more and more into the whirlpool of european politics catholicism served as the connecting link between this slav country and western europe hence the influence of the west manifested itself primarily in the enhancement of ecclesiastic authority, which, being cosmopolitan in character, endeavoured to obliterate all national and cultural distinctions. The Polish king Vladislav Jagello, thirteen eighty six to fourteen thirty four, having been converted from paganism to Catholicism and having forced his Lithuanian subjects to follow his example, adhered to the new faith with the ardor of a convert, and frequently yielded to the influence of the clergy. It was during his reign that the Jews of Poland suffered their first religious persecution in that country. The Jews of Pozen were charged with having bribed a poor Christian woman into stealing from the local Dominican church three hosts which supposedly were stepped and drawn into a pit. From the pierced host, so the superstitious rumors had it, blood spurted forth in confirmation of the Eucharist dogma. Nor was this the only miracle which popular imagination ascribed to the three bits of holy bread. The Archbishop of Posen, having learned of the alleged blasphemy, instituted proceedings against the Jews. The rabbis of Posen, 13 elders of the Jewish community and a woman charged with the theft of the holy vapors became the victims of popular superstition. After prolonged tortures, they were all tied to pillars and roasted alive on a slow fire. 1399. Moreover, the Jews of Pozen were punished by the imposition of an eternal fine which they had to pay annually in favor of the dominican church this fine was rigorously exacted down to the eighteenth century as long as the legend of the three hosts lingered in the memory of pious catholics as in the west religious motives in such cases merely served as a disguise to cover up motives of an economic nature envy on the part of the christian city dwellers of the prosperity of the jews who had managed to obtain a foothold in certain branches of commerce and eagerness to dispose in one way or another of inconvenient rivals similar motives coupled with religious intolerance were responsible for the anti-jewish riots in Krakow in fourteen o seven in that ancient capital of poland the jews had increased in numbers in the beginning of the fourteenth century and by their commercial enterprise had attained to prosperity the krakow burghers were jealous of them and the clergy found it improper that the doomed sons of the synagogue should live so tranquilly under the shelter of the benevolent church a silent but stubborn agitation was carried on against the jews their enemies merely waiting for a convenient opportunity to scare accounts with them on one occasion on the third day of easter the priest budek who had gained the reputation of an implacable jew baiter delivered a sermon in the church of st barbara as he was about to leave the pulpit he suddenly announced to the worshippers that he had found a notice on the pulpit to this effect the Jews living in Krakow killed a Christian boy last night and made sport over his blood. Moreover, they threw stones at a priest who was going to visit a sick man and was carrying a crucifix in his hands. No sooner had these words been uttered than the people rushed into the Jewish street and began to loot the houses of Christ's enemies. The royal authorities hastened to the rescue of the Jews and by armed force put an end to the riots but several hours later when the bells of the town hall began to ring summoning the members of the magistracy to a meeting for the purpose of punishing the instigators of the disorders someone in the crowd shouted that the magistrates was inviting the christians to another attack upon the jews thereupon the rebel came running from all parts of the city and began to slay and plunder the jews setting fire to their houses some jews sought refuge in the tower of st anne but the mob set fire to the tower and the unfortunate jews had to surrender a number of them to save their lives adopted christianity while the children of the slain were all baptized many christians according to the testimony of the polish historian grew rich on the money plundered from the jews one cannot fail to perceive in all these catastrophes the influence of the neighboring germany it was from germany that the clerical reaction which followed upon the struggle of the church with the reformatory huss movement penetrated to poland the synod of constance which condemned huss was attended by the Archbishop of Gnesen, Nicholas Tromba, who appeared at the head of a Polish delegation. On his return, this leading dignitaries of Polish Church presided over the proceedings of the Synod of Kalish fourteen twenty, which also had been convened in connection with the Hus movement. At the suggestion of this Archbishop, the Council of Kalish solemnly ratified all the anti-jewish enactments which had been passed by the councils of breslau and buddha often but had seldom been carried out in practice these laws as will be remembered forbade all intercourse between jew and christian and ordered the jews to live in a separate quarters to wear a distinctive mark on the upper garment and so forth at the same time the Jews were required to pay a tax in favor of the churches of those diocesan districts where they now live and where by right Christians ought to live, this tax to correspond to the losses inflicted by them upon the Christians. These injunctions were issued as a special instruction to the members of the clergy in all the dioceses. The ecclesiastic tendencies gradually forced their way into secular legislation. The fanatics of the church exerted their influence not only on the king, but also on the landed nobility, the shlakhta, which at that time began to take more active interest in the affairs of the state. At the convention of the shlakhta in Varta, 1423, King Vladislav Jagello. Sanctioned the law forbidding the jews to lend money against the written securities only loans against pledges being permitted the ecclesiastic origin of this enactment is betrayed in the ugly manner in which the law is justified in the preamble whereas jewish cunning is always directed against the christians and aims rather at the property of the christian than at his creed or person 5. The Jews of Lithuania during the reign of Vitoft. An entirely different picture is presented at that time by Lithuania, which, in spite of its dynastic alliance with Poland, retained complete autonomy of administration. The patriarchal order of the things, which was nearing its end in Poland, was still firmly entrenched in the Duchy of Lithuania, but recently emerged from the stage of primitive paganism. Medieval culture had not yet taken hold of the inhabitants of the wooded banks of the Niemen, and the Jews were able to settle there without having to face violence and persecution. It is difficult to determine the exact date of the first Jewish settlements in Lithuania. So much is certain, however, that by the end of the fourteenth century a number of important communities were in existence, such as those of Brest, Grodno, Troki, Lutsk, and Vladimir, the last two in Volhynia, which prior to the Polish Lithuanian Union of fifteen seventy nine formed part of the Dutch. The first one to legalize the existence of these communities was the Lithuanian grand duke. Pitovd, ruled over lithuania from 1388 to 1430 partly as an independent sovereign partly in the name of his cousin the polish king jagelo in 1388 the jews of brest and other lithuanian communities obtained from vitoft a charter similar in content to the statutes of boleslav of kalish and casimir the great and in 1389 even more extensive privileges were bestowed by him on the Jews of Grodno. In these enactments, the Lithuanian ruler exhibits, like Casimir, an enlightened solicitude for a peaceful relationship between Jews and Christians and for the inner welfare of the Jewish communities. Under the laws enacted by Vitoft, the Jews of Lithuania formed a class of free citizens, standing under the immediate protection of the grand duke and his local administration they lived in independent communities enjoying autonomy in their internal affairs as far as religion and property are concerned while in criminal affairs they were liable to the court of local starosta or sub-starosta and in particularly important cases to the court of the grand duke himself The law guaranteed to the Jews inviolability of person and property, liberty of religion, the right of free transit, the free pursuit of commerce and trade on equal terms with the Christians. The Lithuanian Jews carried on business on the marketplaces or in shops. They plied all kinds of trades and occasionally engaged in agriculture. Men of wealth lent money on interest leased from the grand duke the customs duties the revenues on spirits and other taxes they held estates either in their own right or in the form of land leases the taxes which they paid into the exchequer was adapted to the character of their occupations and on the whole were not burdensome aside from the rabbinate jews there exist in lithuania Karaites who had emigrated from the Crimea and had established themselves in the regions of Troki and Lutsk. Accordingly, the position of the Jews was more favorable in Lithuania than in Poland. Jewish immigrants, on their way from Germany to Poland, frequently went as far as Lithuania and settled there permanently. Lithuania formed the extreme boundary in the eastward movements of the Jews, Russia and Muscovy being almost entirely closed to them. 6. The conflict between royalty and clergy under Casimir IV and his sons. The conflict of tendencies in the Polish legislation concerning the Jews manifested itself with particular violence in the reign of Casimir IV, the third king of the Jagiello dynasty the attitude of casimir IV, fourth fourteen forty seven to fourteen ninety two who was imbued with the ideas of the humanistic movement then in vogue was at first that of a wise ruler the guardian of the common interest of his subjects as grand duke of lithuania he had followed the liberal jewish policies of his predecessor bitoft he protected the personal and communal rights of both the rabbinites and karaite jews to the latter he granted in fourteen forty one the Magdeburg law and he frequently availed himself of the services of enterprising jewish financiers and tax-farmers to increase the revenues of the state having accepted the polish crown casimir was resolved to rule independently and to disregard the designs of the all-powerful clergy. Shortly after his coronation, in August 1447, while the king was on a visit to Posen, the city was devastated by a terrible fire. During the conflagration, the ancient original of the charter which Casimir the Great had bestowed upon the Jews was lost a jewish delegation from the communities of posen Kalisz, and other cities petitioned the king to restore and ratify the old jewish privileges on the basis of copies of the charter which had been spared casimir readily granted the request of the deputies we desire he announces in his new charter that the jews whom we wish to protect in our own interest as well as in the interest of the royal exchequer, should feel comforted in our beneficent reign, corroborating as it did all the rights and privileges previously conferred upon the Jews, liberty of residence and commerce, communal and judicial autonomy, inviolability of life and liberty, protection against groundless charges and attacks, the Charter of Casimir Fourth was a direct protest against the canonical laws only recently reached for Poland by the Council of Kalisch and for the whole Catholic world by the Great Council at Basel. In opposition to the main trends of the Council resolutions, the Royal Charter permitted the Jews to associate with Christians and exempt them from the jurisdiction of the ecclesiastic law courts. fourteen fifty three. The king's liberalism aroused the resentment of the Catholic clergy. The leader of the clerical party was the energetic Archbishop of Krakow, Cardinal Zbigniew Oleschnitzki, who openly headed the forces arrayed in opposition to the king. He denounced Casimir bitterly for granting protections to the Jews, to the injury and insult of the holy faith. Do not imagine oleschnitski writes to the king in may fourteen fifty four that in matters touching the christian religion you are at liberty to pass any law you please no one is great and strong enough to put down all opposition to himself when the interests of the faith are at stake i therefore beg and implore your royal majesty to revoke the aforementioned privileges and liberties Prove that you are a Catholic sovereign and remove all occasion for disgracing your name and for worse offences that are likely to follow. In his letter, Oleshnitski refers to the well-known agitator and Jew-baiter, the papal legate Capistrano, who had come to Poland from Germany in the fall of fourteen fifty three. With this scourge of the Jews as his ally, Oleschnitsky started a campaign against Jews and heretics, or Hussites. On his arrival in Krakow, Capistrano delivered on the marketplace incendiary speeches against the Jews and demanded of the king persistently to revoke the godless Jewish privileges, threatening him in case of disobedience with the tortures of hell and terrible misfortunes for the country at first the king refused to yield but the march of events favoured the anti-jewish forces poland was at war with the teutonic order the first defeat sustained by the polish troops in this war september fourteen fifty four gave the clergy an opportunity of proclaiming that the lord was chastising the country for the king's disregard of church interest and for his protection of the jews at last, the king was forced to listen to the demands of the united clergy and nobility. In November 1454, the status of Nyeshava was promulgated, and by one of its clauses, all former Jewish privileges were rescinded as being equally opposed to divine right and earthly laws. The reasons for the enactment, which were evidently dictated by oleshnitsky were formulated as follows. For it is not meet that infidels should enjoy greater advantage than the worshippers of our Lord Christ, and slaves should have no right to occupy a better position than sons. The Vata Statutes of 1423 and the former canonical laws were declared in force again. Clericalism had scored a triumph. This anti-Jewish tendency communicated itself to the people at large. In several towns, the Jews were attacked. In 1463, detachment of Polish volunteers who were preparing for a crusade against the Turks passed through Lemberg and Krakow on their way to Hungary. The disorderly crowd, consisting of monks, students, peasants, and impoverished noblemen, drew itself on the Jews of Krakow on the third day of Easter, looted their houses, and killed about 30 people. When Casimir IV learned what had happened, he imposed a fine on the magistracy for having failed to forestall the riots. Similar disorders were taking place about the same time in Lemberg, Posen, and other cities. As far as Casimir IV was concerned, the clerical policy, artificially forced upon him, did not alter his personal readiness to shield the Jews. But under his sons, the Polish King John Albrecht and the Lithuanian Grand Duke Alexander Jagello, the anti-Jewish policy gained the upper hands. The former ratified at the Pietrokov Diet of 1496 the Nieszawa Statutes with its anti-Jewish restrictions. John Albrecht is also credited with the establishment of the first ghetto in Poland. In 1494, a large part of the Polish capital of Krakow was destroyed by fire, and the mob, taking advantage of the prevailing panic, plundered the property of the Jews. As a result, the Jews, who at that time were scattered over various parts of the city, were ordered by the king to move to Kasmyz, a suburb of Krakow and to live there apart from the Christians. Kasmies became, in consequence, a holy Jewish town, leading throughout the centuries, a life of its own and connected with the outside world by mere threads of economic relationship. While the throne of Poland was occupied by John Albrecht, his brother Alexander ruled over Lithuania, as grand duke at first alexander's attitude towards the jews was rather favourable in fourteen ninety two he complied with the petition of the Karaites of Turkey and confirmed the charter of casimir the fourth bestowing upon them the magdeburg law and even supplementing it by a few additional privileges various items of public revenue especially the customs duties were as theretofore led to the jews alexander also paid the jewish capitalists part of the money advanced by them to his father in fourteen ninety five however the grand duke suddenly issued a decree ordering the expulsion of the old jews from lithuania it is not known whether this cruel action was due to the influence of the anti-jewish clerical party and was stimulated by the news of the expulsion of the jews from spain or whether it was prompted by the financial dependence of the ruler on his jewish creditors or by the general desire to enrich himself at the expense of the exiles as a matter of fact alexander confiscated the immovable property of the expelled jews in the districts of grodno brest lutsk and troki and a large part thereof was distributed by him among the local Christian residents. The banished Jews emigrated partly to the Crimea, Kaffa, but the majority settled with the permission of King John Albrecht in the neighboring Polish cities. However, when a few years later, after the death of his brother, Alexander accepted in addition the Crown of Poland, 1501, He allowed the Jews to return to Lithuania and settle in their former places of residence. On this occasion, they received back, though not in all cases, the houses, estates, synagogues, and cemeteries previously owned by them. 1503 By the beginning of the 14th century, Polish Jewry had become a big economic and social factor with which the state was bound to reckon. It was now destined to become also an independent spiritual entity, having stood for 400 years under the tutelage of the Jewish center in Germany. The further development of this new factor forms one of the most prominent features of the next period. End of section 4.